Hello, this is Freya of Enfare introducing this friendly, chill summer talk in Mediterranean surroundings, more specifically Sardinia. During a moment of summer break, part of the Fanfare team went on excursion to investigate a quite soothing summer break topic of pause and leisure. A focus which we will return to during the coming year, but more on that at another moment. For now, let's turn to Sardinia, an autonomous island and region of Italy, and more specifically to Cagliari, the capital city of the island, home to around 160,000 inhabitants, which roughly equals 10% of the Sardinian population. During days of beach research, pecorino cheese and archaeological visits, I was lucky to spend a good chunk of time in company with Luca Carboni and his partner, Andrea Garces. While commuting between Berlin and Sardinia, they are in the midst of forming their shared studio and platform practice rooted in Calgary. Together they connect backgrounds related to fields such as design, translation and independent publishing. Being lucky to spend several days in their company, we came across many aspects, nuances and urgencies, as well as ideas on the starting of a studio practice. Some of which will return in this coming, easygoing version of a Vanfare conversation. The surrounding of this conversation unfold in the setting of Santa Margarita, an hour west of Cagliari, in the context of pine trees and blue evening sky, at the rooftop and temporary home of Lua and Nick, to whom it, by the way, would be an appropriate moment to thank for their guest freeness as well as skills for creating cozy settings. Also, If you think you hear the sound of a camera during the conversation, you are not wrong. Thanks to Paolo as well for documenting the talk, which in an appropriate way revealed this tete-a-tete setting of a very informal Sardinian summer evening chat. Ah, I see. Okay, as long as it doesn't, as the wind is not too crazy. Maybe we should find something else than the beer, because if it leans against the beer, then uh, then you cannot drink. <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> And that's a problem, yeah. Okay. Beforehand, I do apologize for the occasional wind caught by the mic. However, I hope it might serve as a true, honest soundscape for the conversation. So I was just thinking that it was nice to do some kind of an introducing part. And in that context, of course, it's always easier when talking with someone that you're not as familiar with because I will automatically have to have questions or things that I do not know yet. And this is a bit of a different situation because 
I'm in this luxurious uh, position of having followed Luca at least for quite some years and also mm -hmm. uh, in parallel with that also having been hearing it's in part about this interest of establishing a space or Kaleri coming back as well in kind of a destination goal mm -hmm. and yeah so that's a bit of my like my position already because knowing knowing some bits and um, which has also been followed up later more seriously with this newsletter of the project mm -hmm, yeah and um, my initial overlap to what would be your question here would have been being on the beach uh, in a kind of lazy Sunday mood style. Mm. Instead, we're sitting with beers on the rooftop style. That's fine. Um, it's pretty lazy setting, either. It's a pretty even, even yeah. It's a pretty it's a pretty <laughs> chill out setting, um, which brings me to just a first nice introduction, perhaps to talk a bit about kind of give a bit of insight to already. Mm -hmm. And maybe specifically with starting explaining the name. And here's a small cliffhanger. Hold on till the very end and the meaning of Oredi will be revealed to you. Um, Oredi uh, is a soon-to-be publishing initiative and, um, and printing studio that... Uh, to uh, uh, hopefully, I mean, we're going to start for sure, hopefully in, in cert with certain conditions um, in uh, the center, downtown Cagliari. And that is uh, one, um, and that is one, one plan that somehow uh, happened, uh, it's going to finally happen after a couple of years or more than a couple of years of uh, of um, um, let's say intention of uh, of moving back to where I came from and uh, to somehow give like close a circle that started with a certain interest in politics and uh, which developed and um, how then that became designed into publishing and uh, into the publishing of content that uh, that I find relevant, that mm -hmm. I find politically activating mm -hmm. uh, in, a, in a specific location. Mm -hmm. Something that is like at the same time both universal but also relevant for a place that cannot happen anywhere but it needs to be rooted in a certain place and I found that the better place to be rooted into was the one that I know the most and that I'm yeah. most familiar with. Yeah. No, but it's just because this this transition of you going back to Calais, the place that you, or one of the places that you know the best, um, is interesting and it links to some conversations that we had we've had also previously. But um, um, especially because you then come from the Dutch Art Institute, which made their educational program roaming, mm -hmm. meaning that they were also. As an educational part, you've been traveling around and have met different contexts. Mm -hmm. been, yeah. And uh, it's also a topic that I think is quite interesting with you having 
both of you having been living originating from different parts and having been living abroad and then um, yeah and then now making your practice very physical in Kayai. How much do you, have you considered this aspect of this of being local here while also for instance for instance starting with a project and a presentation from Dai, which is also incredibly global and Mm-hmm. Yes, totally. Um, for what for what I'm concerned, the, the somehow this beginning of this roaming uh, trajectory of the Dutch Art Institute constituted for me also. It happened in a moment in which I started to feeling stronger the desire to uh, go back to a context that I that I liked, and then to somehow uh, realizing. Uh, also, and developing some criticism uh, towards certain aspects of the um, of this model that is very rooted in and very uh, rooted in, in part of of the of the way of operating of contemporary art mm-hmm. um, somehow enhanced my desire to uh, uh, to find myself a spot that I would that I would be based on, but. Um, Going to, um, you know, do art in a place or in another place where the most uh, important events of contemporary art are happening um, doesn't really allow, for me, I mean, and didn't really allow or wouldn't really allow really uh, uh, the possibility of connecting to a place and be able to also to speak about that place in a way that would do justice to what mm-hmm. is happening in the place. And um, for example, even spending two months in Athens, as I did, like in, in the towards the end of of the, of the, the Dutch Institute, they had like no um, no possibility for me to to, to relate to, the, to to a place and to really. I mean, I would I would form my own opinion. I would you know I would I would really be interested. And I've been following, for example, in the case of Athens, uh, s- certain aspects of the of the. Um, of the Greek situation from the crisis, the beginning of the crisis of 2010. Uh, so it's kind of like a decade already that I'm interested into this, and yet I don't feel like that I can go to a place and make something in there, even I've been like following and reading for like more than like almost 10 years about mm. that. Um, doesn't mean that I would only, that we would only focus in, in, the, in, a, in a place that we leave, but there is a lot that can be... No, because, I mean, we've been speaking as well about... So through, through the newsletters uh, and through hearing you, spending days with you and hearing you sp- explaining about the initiative, it's also clear that there's many different functions. There's a publishing initiative, but there's also the room for presenting other projects and working with print and design as well and translation also. So it also seems that well as whereas you work locally you also work with including projects from abroad or yeah trans- working with translation within the practice I guess also relates already outside of the career <laughs> context. Yeah I think for me it's a very different situation because I am coming from a place that is that has become my home to a place that is Which is Berlin. New. Yeah. So yeah. it's like I moved to Berlin from Bogota, which is where I started doing 
literature and working with culture and publishing, mm. translating, etc. And then through Berlin, which became like my second second home, where I've lived almost as long as I lived in Bogota, uh, to a fourth language and to a whole different culture. Mm. Um, so yeah, so it, in it is in no sense coming to the place I know the best, but it is trying to go back to something I really believe in, which is. Um, yeah, like this way of doing uh, cultural work with mm. local people, with people that are trying to use different approaches to different uh, political and aesthetic topics. Mm. And yeah, so I guess in that sense, um, it, 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 in a way, in a very weird way, it's also a way to going of going back to Latin America because we've, we've also been in touch with a lot of initiatives in Bogota and uh, elsewhere, like Santiago, Mexico mm. City, etc. etc. So it's um, yeah. So I guess that makes me the part that is more outside. <laughs> yeah. Because it's a, it needs to be very inclusive. Uh, initiative what mm -hmm. you were saying about bringing things from abroad it's actually uh, a good half of of the project um, the fact of using con content the thinking uh, experiences that are not maybe so much part of a, of a of a location which can also be seen as a little bit cut out of certain at least in this in this moment cut out of certain um, uh, let's say discourses mm -hmm. uh, someone could say provincial in a, um, and I'm saying this without any connotation like polit like uh, positive or negative but this actually what what Andrea was saying is is really the I think the the proof of what uh, this initiative would stand for and would try to do mm -hmm. so really bring content from like the most far away parts of the world and, and yeah. in order to put a certain level of comparison to what's happening in there what's what is the content that is takes place what are the experiences what are the people uh, uh, here there there and, mm -hmm. and many other places and then like trying to bring this sort of like um, Deprovincializing, in a sense. Yeah. Um, Could you maybe give a bit of an insight to also to those who don't doesn't know to Calais? Like, what is what is the location and the context that you are in, and what does that? How does that have an impact on the way that you work? Um. And that comes in actually from both of you because it's also interesting that you have this have such different approaches to it. What is it for you? <laughs> uh, I guess for me it's a small city in the Mediterranean that is not aware or not fully aware of all the cultures that cross it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, but that are there and are very, like, really present if you look deep enough. Yeah. So I guess, you know, it 
for me it's a very good place to go into all these dialogues between uh, yeah movement of people and different languages and different histories yeah. and different political needs and uh, perspectives um, yeah so in a way being here is a like it's a way to make that more visible here mm-hmm. but also to explore it to take it out from mm-hmm. here as well um, yeah and for me it's like a, also like an exercise of translation <laughs> constantly mm-hmm. and yeah and also a bit of mistranslation because we wanna yeah. uh, I think I think part of what we wanna do is not just um, I don't know like make things understandable but mm-hmm. just make dialogue happen yeah. and available not yeah. whether people understand it or not sometimes mm-hmm. not even mm-hmm. uh, yeah and that was that was a, a non-secret opening up <laughs> in the recording a very Sardinian dear yeah no but it's true that um, the um, the fact of um, the fact of of, uh, of non-consciousness of the non-awareness or of of this place of its history and just like focusing on certain aspects of what people are in there, who do they belong to, like uh, geographically speaking and culturally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the intention, one of the main intentions of this initiative would be um, maybe via some, through some publication of different forms, but mainly printed, mm-hmm. uh, find a way of, of actually bringing ex- different experiences and showing that the the city or the island or this context is way more as a way more cosmopolitan and mixed history than we would like to that most of people that some people would like us to think yeah. um, so really somehow making it more uh, you know less eurocentric less uh, comfortable Mm-hmm. Uh, the way it is, but like thinking, hey, you know, w- w- the, the changes you're experiencing are not just some weird new thing that you have to resist, it's just part of a history which for millennia has seen an incredible amount of, of mixing, of coming and going, of yeah. shaping, because of Because of the location of Satinia being in the middle of a trade in the, Yes, exactly. In, 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 in the middle of the West Mediterranean, being like a very large island with so much inside and surrounded by so much outside mm-hmm. um, it's just like it's just like being like on a, on a on a gas station in the middle of the of the biggest highway of uh, antique and modern times like how can you pretend that what's yeah. <laughs> what's met in there it's just belongs to the region in which the the thi- the, 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 the gas station is you know it's yeah. um, and this is a, for us something very important like this this um this this mixing and that's why I think like so much for example is also going and seeking for um, experiences and seeking for um, for knowledge for discussions with places as far as as I said again like as far as Iran as far mm-hmm. as Latin America as far as, uh, as Central America and uh, and the northern the northern North Africa, the, the, the southern shore of the Mediterranean, and the, and the northern shore of Europe. No, yeah. uh, anyways, everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so, like taking this, 
realizing that, that this place is not a peripheral at all, it's in the center of, of a world. And, uh, Which is the impression you get as well. I mean, I'm not an expert, far from. <laughs> but uh, so having been spending a week here, it becomes very present um, how several different cultures have influenced or been through conquered as well Sardinia and how there's a lot of yeah impact from the outside um, mm -hmm. on this island which maybe bringing that from like historical roots up till today or the now how do you um, experience that today I mean obviously we're walking around cities with increasing amount of um, of tourist tracks and uh, signs That, you know, because we've been photographing it too. Um, yeah. Or larger companies uh, making a smart city out of uh, <laughs> out of them. <laughs> yes. Um, Maybe it was more of an open. It was more of a commenting of a than a specific yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, it's funny how like. Um, the terms of like opportunities of development and invasion are really depending on most a lot of times on on the wealth and the skin color of the groups that you find surrounded by mm -hmm. coming to a place. Mm. Um, I would say in the last five years, the center of Cagliari, um, I mean, I can say quite provocatively, has been invaded by. Uh, by tourists and mm -hmm. I'm using invaded not because I because this is the same rhetoric that someone who doesn't like to see Africans and Indians and Middle Easterns in their streets would use mm -hmm. uh, but so not because you think it's the right rhetoric no no not, not at all no no I'm just I'm just provocatively saying it because the, the amount and the phenomenon the scale to which like a small a small um Small city center uh, is uh, is uh, seen, um, and it's, of course this is not again not something very you know it's, it's something very common it's a global yeah. phenomenon. Yeah. Um, but we did something new for uh, for Cagliari, for example, and we see that a lot because our studio is in the center of the port neighborhood, which is the most subject to this um, to this industry. Um, Yeah. So I think that's also like what's what is somehow an interest of our initiative and our future publications and and events and somehow like building a sort of a sort of uh, um, uh, group and, and and thinking around this is to try to uh, to elaborate uh, on ways of seeing the city not just like as a as a as a neutral place in which things are happening but also in which conflicting interests are happening and are fighting with each other and um, or, 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 or profiting from each other or living along each other mm -hmm. um, so that's that's yeah so so the things are seen for also for not not just for like you know neutrally ha happenings or facts but like for you know for, for, for what they also represent mm -hmm.
to create this framework of, of possible voices or ways of reactions or means for reaction and relates a bit back to what we I've heard you speak about but I think you also mentioned it in one of your newsletters there was like a small reference to Marx <laughs> and his way mm -hmm. of uh, his advice in regards of means of production and or like relations of production and I thought I think that's really interesting it ref it's mm -hmm. reflected in, in, in how I see already coming together and I think it could be quite nice if you would maybe explain a bit more about mm. how you've approached or adapted that advice into your yeah. model um. um. It's not really. A, it's not. I mean, it's not really an advice. It's just. It's just like. A, Actually, I think I'm literally. I'm, I think. Yeah, I, I think, think it was you, a bit of a joke. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a joke, but it's it's something that it's really informing. I mean, like really, like at some point when when we thought, okay, what what do we do? How do, what do we want to do? And 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 then, this is also coming from like my my experience as a, as a printer, like as a screen printing uh, lover in the Rietveld, um was also thinking how do I get my message across how do I manage to say what I want to say and then uh, Marx comes uh, at, at use just like very very superficially here quoting but saying like owning the means of production mm -hmm. so now uh, it doesn't mean that why I mean it doesn't mean that myself need to be an owner of the mean of, of the means in which I no. produce my content because then I end up reproducing he just spoke about the collective ownership of means of production but this this at this point we we thought that the the way of actually being able to produce um, the our own prints our own um, our own content mm -hmm. by by being in this economical model the owner of the machines that we use yeah. was a good way of uh, of allowing a lot of things to happen there so maybe this sort of like socialization of the learning process that we want to try yeah. uh, happens because we would open up the to a lot of other subjects the possibility of experimenting of printing of, of saying things or developing content um, writing articles printing yeah, I guess it's so, it's no. mostly about having the freedom of doing whatever we want to do. Mm. Just yeah. I don't know, like I I also come from uh, yeah, like I think I, I learned well, most of the important things I learned <laughs> from a group of artists and musicians that I met in Bogota who always like just like yeah, where things happen mostly out of will the people so you have to just go and do whatever it is you want to do so you want to have a radio station you set up something in your living room and you start doing it or yeah if you're lucky to have like an actual radio signal that's amazing um, or yeah or you just find a friend who lets you play music yeah. or you because there are not uh, there's a very limited amount of funding yeah so uh, yeah, if, like this idea obviously involves starting something in a place that, I mean, has probably more uh, funding alternatives than Bogota, but still lacks a lot of the infrastructure and even the public to do some of the things we want to do. So yeah. it is very important to 
have the means of production, like because whatever, like we need to, we we don't have anyone to ask to uh, lend us their machines to print because no. there are no machines, yeah. <laughs> or well, there are a few, uh, but it's not like you know in uh, yeah in Berlin or in the Netherlands where there is more availability of that sort of equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So what maybe like with it's like fear of it being too um, like a heavy question, but what is actually then the sustainable model that uh, maybe now that you you don't have to go into detail, mm-hmm. of course, because we are limited on time. <laughs> but I think it's quite nice to address it and to talk more about it. Generally, I think that's something it's that the cultural field would benefit from talking more. About, but um, but how how do you how do you establish yourself now, and what is a longer term idea for than making this infrastructure uh, run around? Yeah, I think basically the idea is that the printing uh, allows us to do the production of content mm-hmm. because the printing business can be a profitable one. I mean, yeah. it can it is. Um, we will work with uh, machinery that is very uh, that produces a lot of um, it's very efficient so yeah. we won't uh, and very low cost uh, mm-hmm. in terms of maintenance so uh, yeah so the idea is to exp- to offer those services services uh, with good design quality yeah <laughs> and uh yeah and use that also as a way of um, making the rest of our work known and also mm-hmm. at the same time like creating an audience for a certain kind of uh, style yeah. Uh, yeah. and yeah so but yeah polishing it's rarely profitable so it like the 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 sustainable part would be the printing business yeah, yeah. and i and i guess also some to some extent funding this is also later on i guess yeah. um that's also like an important uh, let's say it's a bit of a bet it's a bit of like a crazy bet we're trying to to see if it works yeah. <laughs> uh to make something profitable in the sense that it will allow us to produce content which is less profitable mm-hmm. starting with uh, I mean I think it's also important to talk about this because like the moment for example we are we will apply um, for some European Union um, fundings for helping uh, for helping uh, young entrepreneurship in south of Italy and part of that amount of money which is Not so much if you ask to someone who does this kind of project and follows like the establishing of enterprises, but it's quite a relevant amount for, if you talk about <laughs> just the life experiences of two people like us. Yeah. Then, uh, which is a bit scary, but um, we would have then part of it to, to to give it back. So we have to really aim from day one to make. Uh, to make this enterprise profitable in the sense that then we can pay back uh, a substantial debt in the coming years mm. and uh, that we we think by dividing the sort of like in three main aspects 
uh, the, our enterprise, so like design service, printing service, on-demand, and publishing initiative, mm -hmm. and uh, also like let's say cultural space, then yeah. it would uh, somehow generate an environment that would uh, create a market for something that is at the moment is not is not. I mean, it's really developed elsewhere. There are like people I don't know, like in the Netherlands, for example, there is uh, Knus that works for like more than thirty years and as a as a, as a I don't know how profitable, but uh, it functions in those in Nijmegen, yeah. A printer. A printer. Uh, there are like plenty of plenty of of examples like this in Europe that functions really well and yeah. and, 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 and there is no such a thing in Cagliari yet. No. And the size of the city, the size of the market of like I mean one third of the inhabitants of Berlin is already more than the whole inhabitants of Sardinia. Mm -hmm. So one could also think how are you gonna make that one work with such a limited pool of people? Um, we need to create uh, uh, we need to create a market, we need to create a way uh, 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 an amount of people that would want to use our services and then they would like on a different scale from more commercial to less commercial to uh, more um, cultural invested and more commercially invested create a sort of really like a, a wave in which uh, things will fall into into its right into, into its right uh, yeah. piece and we and once we extinguish the debt then we can just survive with white rice and then do just uh, just how do our nice prints uh, as long as the bank gets yeah. all their money back <laughs> yeah yeah the studio itself is very cheap <laughs> the studio itself is really cheap and is really and nice and beautiful central space and the fact that you have the space is also really a commodity in itself absolutely and i suppose this format of, of a commercial profit benefits the freedom for making, producing political and artistic yeah. content. Yeah. I also think it's very unlikely that we're we're gonna end up working for huge companies. Or yeah. Because because of the nature of the machines we're working with, yes. uh, that are more appealing uh, to small businesses and that have a very particular look, like produce very particular, a very particular style so people mm. it's more likely that the people who are going to go for like the more commercial aspect of it are going to be also people involved in some branch of mm. the cultural mm. business or mm. or or I don't know or stores yeah. like, like that work with younger people or I don't know like but like mostly small companies because it's not really I mean if you're a huge company you just send that you just print millions of whatever you're gonna print and so you use another machine there's another drive yeah. and priority <laughs> behind but if any big company wants to send us millions of stuff to print of we course we happy. can <laughs> <laughs> we're happy to take the job so there is there, there is officially open invitation for sending big work if it pays big money it's absolutely <laughs> <laughs> yes unless of course it's if it's that Casa one pound propaganda no there's a lot of stuff that would not be welcome hmm are there anything specific that you would like to add or anything like future 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. we spent a lot of, uh, or maybe just the last part, talking a lot about commercial aspects of this enterprise, but the first and foremost uh, reason why we do this is a, is a political reason. Mm. So this is not um, a business uh, idea, although it has to be framed in that sense, in this way, uh, because of the economical condition in which it's taking place mm-hmm. uh, and the economical resources that it needs to access in order to come to be. But uh, the focus will is and will be always on a, on the on a political side of publishing, on a political side of of writing, the political side of design and art, mm-hmm. um, to the point of actually not being even an artistic project to the point of being really aiming at becoming uh, a publishing, political publishing. Well, uh, not only political. Not only political. I mean, my main goal is to publish my friends who are poets. <laughs> but, but, but political in the sense of not doing political printing, but of doing printing politically yeah. or publishing politically. Uh, following that... Uh, it's good to add that the, you are Yeah. I mean, we're not publishing books about politics, or not only. No, but we are deeply rooted in the landscape of uh, the streets of our city, which is a landscape that needs a strong left-wing political input that we hope to be able to provide. And we're also interested in literature and other forms of writing that are written by politically aware humans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I guess in that sense, I mean, poetry is also can also be very yeah, yeah, it is, and and most of the stuff that we hope to publish is would be yeah. of course political, and even um, also be inclusive to the more people or other people. So I guess it opens up a, a format that is not exclusively hardcore. Absolutely, absolutely. Already, yes, we didn't say what already is actually. No, I was thinking that. And I know it wasn't that if I just didn't remember it. <laughs> oh, well, what don't you remember? I spoke for 10 minutes about what already is. Um, already, is um, already is a slang of. Um, let, let's read this. This is all little sections that you can put between the sentence and another to yeah. <laughs> make it more of a soundscaping. Already is, um, is, a, is a slang word uh, from Cagliari, which means uh, literally is the, the maker of the hour, which is a very, I think, very beautiful way of saying someone who's busy making hours, mm-hmm. which means someone who's busy passing time while doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And it usually, it's a, it's a bit of an old, like a bit of a vintage term. Um, 
in which uh, which would describe someone that maybe wakes up late, goes to the bar, spend like two hours checking the news section, the sports section of newspapers, um, gets a coffee offered uh, by someone he barely knows, and then he gets like a uh, like an aperitif before lunch, and then he goes somewhere else because someone is offering him a lunch, or he's finding a way not to pay a lunch in a restaurant, and then he sleeps for the whole half of the afternoon, and then he wakes up and goes to the bar because there is another aperitif here and there. So it's just like the, um, a sort of, in a sense, sort of like a flaneur of the, uh, of but the time. But a static one. But a static one, exactly. <laughs> Consistent. <laughs> One that sits in a bench. One that sits <laughs> from bar to moves from bar to bar, but it doesn't really um, moves too much in the city. And like the classic Oreri were to be found in the in the promenade in front of the port, which is really close to our studio. So it's also very like geographically located in the same neighborhood in which we are. Now. Yeah, and it's a way of. Um, somehow dismantling or making ironical uh, the the fact of somehow refusing hard labor, refusing the need of being enslaved, but also mm. being busy constantly with what you actually really like to do, being that maybe having a coffee here and a spritz there or um, producing books and, and, yeah. and magazines and publishing content which is something we are actually uh, busy all the time yeah. uh, even though it looks like we are doing nothing yeah so claiming time claiming yeah reclaiming time I think that's a nice ending I think on that ending we should uh, have I mean we're kind of already already for the yeah. rest of the evening. <laughs> <laughs> We've been orating in the past hour <laughs> as well, like, you know, True. somehow working. This easygoing summer version of a tete-a-tete conversation was recorded and edited by me, Freya Kier. Before ending off, it should be mentioned that we always are very curious for any kinds of comments, critique of future ideas. The music that you hear in the beginning, throughout and in the end of this conversation are part of a recording during a dinner session earlier in the week and also part of a record treasure found by Andrea and Luca in their recent travels in Bogota in Colombia. Wow, what song is this one? Yeah, it's coming now. <laughs> Charming cover. You got it for free. So it's an extra spice. Yeah, 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 yeah.
ya no conoce a un magnífico bailarín Anda siempre muy bien vestidito que parece Apartado 